Hello and welcome to our podcast, On Your Marks. My name is Peter and I am the leader of St Mark's Church in Jersey, a growing, friendly Anglican church in the centre of St Helier. We want to take the Bible apart and see what's really in there, going beyond the face value to dig a little deeper into certain topics. We will bring you fresh content every week and hope you get a lot out of listening. So, if you're ready, let's go. Hello Ray, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Lovely to see you. And yourself. Well, um, hello to everyone listening. It's great to have you with us for another another episode. We are now on our final, uh, final episode of our three-part series looking through the letter from the Apostle Paul to Titus. Such a small letter right at the end um, of the Bible, sort of you know, towards the end of the New Testament, a punchy letter, lots of um, very forceful language. We've kind of labelled it through our Sunday services as, a, as Paul's mission strategy to Titus. He wants to be really clear of everything he's, he, he wants Titus to do in the island of Crete. Um, and it's been a very good um, exercise, really, to go through this and try to respond to see what God's maybe saying to us today. So that's the plan for today, Ray. We're going to yep. read Titus 3 and going to get Ray's take. And I, I say this all often. I'm, I really enjoy coming after um, having preached on this sun, uh, this Sunday myself on this to then get Ray's take on it. It's great to get a different perspective. So I'll read it. We're reading from the ESV um, and then we'll we'll start diving into it. So Titus chapter 3. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarrelling, to be gentle and to show perfect courtesy towards all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Saviour appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Saviour, so that, being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people, but avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless as for a person who stirs up a division after warning him once and then twice have nothing more to do with him. Knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. Finishing there on some very firm language, Ray. But yeah, yeah. Anyway. I wonder whether we ought to just finish the last Oh yeah. few verses. Yeah, by all means. Yeah, there's a final, well, I mean, final few. It's just a tidying up operation, but it's there's some rather interesting little wrinkles to this. I'll do that then. There's just a few Hmm. more verses. So uh, verse 12 right now. 
When I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Do your best to speed Zenus, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing, and let our people learn to devote themselves to good works, so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. All who are with me send greetings to you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. That's good. Mm. Thank you. Yeah. So, where do you want to start? We start at the beginning. <laughs> Very good place yeah. to start. And it starts with, interestingly, the word submission. Mm. Not a word that is readily responded to today. Um, what do you understand by submission? To to honour somebody who is set over us in the context, primarily in God, um, but he's clearly broadening that to the rulers and authorities. So he's saying that you honour those who are set over you um, in such a way as to um, set a good example. To, it says here, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarrelling, to be gentle, to show perfect courtesy toward all people. And it, it is a whole attitude that is being described here which is contrary to contemporary behaviour and attitude. Um, as you know, I'm a pedant, and I have I don't have things like um, mobile phones, um, and so I had to um, have an understanding of what they what they contain um, second hand. Um, but I understand that some of the sort of awful criticism and negativism that pervades that bit of machinery mm. is is a really awful awful thing yeah so that people can be destroyed in their reputation in their behavior in so many ways by the reaction of people in what they put in this thing called a mobile phone. And, and it seems to me this is a whole attitude today. Mm, it's a, the power to unite through social media, either to unite for good, and there's yeah. no doubt that that can happen, yeah. but where there's an extreme, there can be the other extreme and absolutely can unite for bad. Yeah. 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 But so much of what one reads, um, you hear people who are being negative, destructive and really pretty awful in what they say. And what you say is what you're thinking. Mm. Yeah. And it's uh, a very disturbing thing. So does that extend to a boss in the workplace or a, a teacher at school if you're a child, you know, someone in authority? Yeah. I... I, I I read here, submissive to rulers and authorities. So anybody under whom 
we are set, anybody who is an authority over us, then we, in normal circumstances, we would expect to accept that authority. And when it says submit, do you think obey is also synonymous? I would would draw a distinction, perhaps, a subtle distinction, between obey and submit. Submission is more uh, more positive. It's an active thing. Um, Obey is somewhat more negative. Yes. And I don't... I'm less comfortable with that. Yeah. It doesn't say that anyway. No, it doesn't. So, so submit submission is about honouring. Yes. Respect. Yes, all of these. All of those and things. And that is what we bring into play in the context of the sort of people to whom you're speaking. Because, you're speaking. because the word submission, as you rightly said at the beginning, at the moment in the age we live in, brings a lot of negative feeling. It does. But actually what we're saying is you can disagree, but the way you should disagree is in a respectful, honouring way. Correct. Yeah, I, I like that. I think that's a really important point yeah. to start off with, um, isn't it? Yeah. Because suddenly somebody could read that in verse 1 and just dis- throw the whole chapter out and go, yeah. well, no, I don't like it. Yeah. So uh, what I would say is um, it starts with submission. It goes on in the context of submission there is obedience. So mm. o- obedience is, um, and it spells it out more, to be ready for every good work. So it's it's already, in a sense, limiting the areas in which we are obliged to be submissive. It is when the, the, the areas of submission expected um, are in the region of good works and it spells it out further to speak evil of no one and oh don't we live in an age when speaking evil is acceptable now yeah and it's not just acceptable it's destructive and it is awful well i think and you you said about phones because people can make comments and you know discredit somebody and they're not doing it to their face they're not doing it in conversation with a person, they yep. do it online. Actually, it's meaning people do it way more. That's, you know, I'd never, I didn't pick this up. This is why I love coming and talking <laughs> with you. I didn't, to be obedient in these areas, yeah. the following areas, good works, speaking yeah. no evil, to not quarrel, to be gentle, to show yeah. courtesy. And, and I mean, that, that little phrase, to show perfect courtesy mm. towards all people, is it's so descriptive of an attitude which has largely been destroyed by contemporary behaviour. I think is immensely sad, immensely sad. Yeah. And creates a whole culture of negative and destructive comment and behaviour. Do you think... What do you understand then about showing perfect courtesy? How could, how could someone who's listening to this go? What does that mean, to show perfect courtesy? It is being positive in the way in which you encourage people. It's bringing encouragement to a situation, affirming people's 
person hmm. so that you um, don't judge you don't destroy you don't undermine and it's quite the contrary of this whole attitude of today so showing perfect courtesy yeah. towards all people not just in the church outside, outside. in society yeah. is being positive and loving yeah, and generous inclusive and inc- all the rest of it. all that yeah mm. And it says, well, you know, yeah, we we ourselves may have been guilty of such behaviour, but there's a way to change and turn around. Do you know, we we laughed, I laughed quite a bit on Sunday during my talk because the reading was done from a slightly different version. Oh, right. Um, they read it from the message version. Right. And in verse, um, in verse 3... It mm-hmm. said, led astray slaves to various passions and pleasures. In in this version, it said, slaves to our glands. And it just made me laugh because I, I was thinking, what does this even mean? Slaves to our, I get what it means. It's trying to be very uh, descriptive of our body. We're listening to our body rather than, you know, mm. to logic or whatever. But this whole bit from verse 3 um, down to... Um, you know, oh, it actually goes really goes far down, down, down to verse eight. It's all about the justification, isn't it? Why should we do these things that it says in verse one to one and two? It's because we ourselves were the were foolish and yep. disobedient, and I yeah, I certainly, and I said it on Sunday. I can relate to a time in my life where this was massive, but even today, where I, gosh, I do things which I become slave. To passions and yep. and go astray at times. But it says always a verse four, doesn't it? Mm. That's where I was. I I fell foul to some of this stuff, some of these attitudes. Um, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Saviour appeared, He saved us. And this is where I, I mean I think. If you think about that word saved, we can use it a bit glibly. Um, but the reality is, we needed to be absolutely rescued from a fundamentally wrong attitude, um, a whole way of thinking that was pervading us. And we needed what is clearly the godly response of a saviour who saved us. And he gives us a, he frees us from all that. We don't have to behave like that. Mm. And it's a, it's a wonderful contrast. When you say we use the word saved glibly, we we can, you know, if you're um, asked to give a testimony, you know, I I was a dreadful sinner until at the age of nine I was saved. Um, We use the word, I think, too lightly. Mm. And Is that because it puts it in the past as if it's no longer a present reality? No, I don't think so, necessarily. Um, But certainly we need to recognise that our salvation 
It has been won for us by Christ on the cross. It is an act of God. It is a sovereign act of God out of love and care for us. And he, by so doing, provides a way for us to be saved and therefore becomes, we bring together the sovereign act of God and the submissive response of us um, and the end result is our salvation. So we are saved in history, we are saved eternally, and we are saved radically now. Hmm. And this is the reality that we need to grasp, hmm. I think. Yeah. And this is what it talks about then, I guess. And that goes on to that. The yeah. renewal, the regeneration. Yes. Yeah. So we're now in verse... Uh, f the end of verse 5 yep. and beginning of verse 6 he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness but, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration Correct. and renewal of the Holy Spirit yeah. regeneration born again regenerated I have been born again or born from above born anew and that so, is descriptive of what has happened to me so what so there's this metaphor there is is it just a metaphor or is it leading to uh, something about baptism the renewal oh sorry um verse five the washing of regeneration and renewal of the holy spirit so um, the washing is that just a i i'm not sure what i haven't got greek with me um but I think I'll lead people to look it up themselves. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, but is the idea of being cleansed, is it just being, being cleansed? Cleansed is the central idea. Yeah, there. okay. Um, but giving us a new, clean, fresh start. Mm. Um, so re regeneration is clear. Um, washing is more descriptive, I suppose. Yeah, okay. Um, I know, and as always, conscious not to add stuff in where it's not there. Correct. Yeah. But it's bringing together the whole rea reality of beginning afresh, mm. being, being washed, being reborn, being renewed by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit has been poured out upon us. So there's a language of um, being poured out, isn't there? There, It's a combined language of the washing and the Holy Spirit being poured out. So, mm. so yeah, it's quite an interesting juxtaposition of words and phrases there. Yeah. And then in verse 7, we are justified, made right with God, just as if I'd never sinned. By his grace, we become heirs. Well, I mean, just unpack that whole process of what has happened to you and why you are no longer bound by these awful areas of behaviour from the past. You have been washed, clean, cleansed. You have been given a new life. You have been renewed by the Holy Spirit. You have been made right with God in the right relationship, justified, and become heirs, joint heirs with Christ. And 
It's yeah, beautiful, isn't it? Isn't it? Pretty, pretty good package there. Beautiful. Isn't it? And I love that little saying, those six words that you have to describe what justified means, mm. just as if I, I never, never sinned. That's a really good little... Some, these little things you get hold of and little stick in your mind, don't they? I don't think I fully comprehend really what it means to be an heir. I mean, how can I... I'm an heir with Christ to... Yeah, joint heir. Joint heir. That is... Can't really fathom that. Yeah, well, you, you can't. But um, in the end, it has to do, in part, with your future hope. Yeah. Your eternal hope. In a couple of weeks, we're 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 talking about heaven, oh. and so this might lead into this because um, from this conversation, what are we heirs to, and what is that going to look like, and. There's a lot of misunderstandings around heaven, oh, yeah. and and so we're going to look to un- unpack that a bit in church. So we'll 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 have that in a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. It, that, we have to be careful, of course, that it is essentially a mystery. This side of the grave. Yes. The closer you get to it, the more tempting it is to spend time thinking about it. <laughs> um, I can assure you. Uh, I've just last week I was eighty-three, so yeah. well, I've got another year. Um, and the attraction of heaven is enormous. Yeah. It's huge. Um, but I've got to bring heaven to earth in my relationship with Christ and in his love for those around me and those whose lives I touch. I'd just been away to my brother-in-law's funeral. Yeah. And um, I found quite a number of people individually who in that context were keen for me to pray with them nobody said no wow and you know one or two initiated it um and clearly there's um it, it raises questions in their hearts and minds um, to which they want an answer though are happy to accept what's on offer namely prayer for them yes. in their circumstances yeah. but um, it was it, it was actually quite extraordinary um, some of the situations I found myself in um, quite wonderful yeah, privilege to pray yeah. with people yeah but I think you're right in saying that mystery, this side of the grave. Yeah. And so, yes, we will have conversation only because I think often people can be turned away from exploring faith because of a misunderstanding of heaven and hell and where, you know, what God's design for us is and what the plan is. So that's, that's kind of the aim. But we won't steal any of the, uh, the thunder for a couple of weeks' time. That'll be, that'll be good. Um there's, a, there's something that was hitting me as we were reading through this before. I think three times at least I've seen this in, in chapter three. It talks about doing good works. So it talks about right at the beginning, as we read in mm-hmm. verse one, be ready for every good work. Yes. And then it says in verse eight to devote themselves to good works. Yep. And then later on, it says devote again in verse... 
in verse 14 and let our people learn to devote themselves to good works. So, so that's really interesting. Three times, beginning, middle and end. It is a, this is a call. And my understanding is chapter three is, a, is, is all about how the church should re- relate in the world and relate to authority. Yeah. And there's a big focus on good works. I don't see it as a focus on good works. I see it as in indicating that good works are important demonstrations of your life of faith. Yeah, okay. So it's an outworking of the reality of faith. Yeah. Um, and an outworking of your submission. It starts with submission. Um, of your submission to God will be you serve others. Okay, and in verse... You demonstrate eight, your submission by your service. And that's why it says in verse 8, after it says, devoted to good works, these things are excellent and profitable for people. Yes. Okay, so it's basically for the benefit of others, yes. devote yourself to good works. Yep. It's an outward working of your yep. faith yes. through submission. Okay, that does yep. make sense. Which is important. So what would you say then is... The, the focus, the takeaway message for for this chapter, for wrapping things up. Right. I think um, it puts right in the heart of this uh, salvation in Christ, that we are changed people, a people who have been made Christ-like, and we have been set free, we've been given new life, we've been given the Holy Spirit, we are the recipients of grace, and there is. So we are, have been entrusted with enormous spiritual riches, um, and uh, and that should motivate us to a very different sort of life to the one painted in the beginning, which is somewhat sharp in its criticism of those who do not behave appropriately. Um, so that this promise here of our new life in Christ is so powerful, so powerful. And it finishes, grace be with you all. Um, again, we I don't know whether we've had a week when we haven't emphasised grace. I agree. <laughs> it is definitely a recurring. Um, and I would hope to continue... My um, emphasis on grace for as long as I'm breathing, because I believe it to be absolutely the core of life in Christ, is the grace of God. Yeah. Fabulous. Ray, thanks so much for your time. Not at all. See you next week. Good We do hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to like and subscribe and share with your friends on social media. And please do get in touch with any suggestions or comments you may have. Thanks for listening and see you next time.